From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you have joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Today's text is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Doubting one, thou hast often said, I fear I shall never enter heaven. Fear not! All the people of God shall enter there. I love the quaint saying of a dying man who exclaimed, I have no fear of going home. I have sent all before me. God's finger is on the latch of my door, and I am ready for him to enter. But, said one, are you not afraid lest you should miss your inheritance? Nay, said he, nay, there is one crown in heaven which the angel Gabriel could not wear. It will fit no head but mine." There is one throne in heaven which Paul the Apostle could not fill. It was made for me, and I shall have it. O Christian, what a joyous thought! Thy portion is secure. There remaineth a rest. But cannot I forfeit it? No, it is entailed. If I be a child of God, I shall not lose it. It is mine as securely as if I were there. Come with me, believer. And let us sit upon the top of Nebo, and view the goodly land, even Canaan. Seest thou that little river of death glistening in the sunlight? And across it dost thou see the pinnacles of the eternal city? Dost thou mark the pleasant country, and all its joyous inhabitants? Know, then, that if thou couldst fly across, thou wouldst see written upon one of its many mansions, This remaineth for such a one, preserved for him only." He shall be caught up to dwell for ever with God. Poor doubting one, see the fair inheritance. It is thine. If thou believest in the Lord Jesus, if thou hast repented of sin, if thou hast been renewed in heart, thou art one of the Lord's people, and there is a place reserved for thee, a crown laid up for thee, a harp specially provided for thee. No one else shall have thy portion. It is reserved in heaven for thee, and thou shalt have it ere long. For there shall be no vacant thrones in glory, 
when all the chosen are gathered in. midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares, "...it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment." How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864 844-2408. That's 864-244-2408. 
If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it. On today's broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues to look at the miracle of Christ walking on the water. Following the feeding of the 5,000, the Lord Jesus sent the people away. In their excess of zeal, they wanted to make him king, but one in their own conception. He commanded the disciples to sail across the Sea of Galilee, partly to deliver them from the crowd's error, but also to teach them something of himself— At the point of their great fear in the midst of the storm, he came to them walking on the water. The account in Matthew's Gospel records that they thought they saw a spirit or a ghost. As they soon learned, what they looked upon with fear turned out to be their Savior. Certainly this is still true for Christ's people. He always comes in the time of their greatest need. Now Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message Christ walking on the water. There's a new sight of Christ in every storm. There's a new experience of grace in every affliction. And I want you to see this. The waters were bidding to swallow up the disciples. Jesus walked on top of the waters. Now let me make this very clear. This is history, not myth. All the modernistic garbage that tries to explain away this miracle is so ridiculous as to make you laugh. 
I remember we had a modernist in Belfast, a very learned idiot, who told us Jesus didn't really walk in the waters. He was paddling by the seashore. And uh, the reality is that in the mistiness, the disciples thought he was walking in the waters. First of all, if the lunatic had ever gone to the Sea of Galilee, you'll find you don't just paddle by the seashore. Anybody who's ever been there will tell you that. If you even want to go swimming, you've got to find some place that's either man-made or has a little natural shelf to let you do it, and they have to rope it off. If you take another step, you'll be dead. Or you'll be in, that's if you can't swim, you'll be engulfed in a deep hole. It's not a place for paddling along the seashore. It's not Myrtle Beach Strand. Furthermore, the idea of these big brawny seamen within a few feet of the shore, still trying to row their way out of trouble and crying out for fear. The whole thing is crazy. This happened as the Bible says it happened. It's history. But remember, it's history with a message. And I want you to see this. What was bidding to engulf the disciples? Jesus put under his feet. That's a picture I want you to take with you. The things that you think will engulf you, they don't pause, uh, pose him any problem whatsoever. The things that worry us do not furrow the brow of the eternal. There are no wrinkles in the brow of God. He's not worried. And while it's true that things may engulf us, he has them under his feet. And I want you to see this. That where we, like Peter, will cry out to him, he'll enable us to put them under our feet. Now there'll come a time when he'll cause a great calm. But while we're still in the storm, he can enable us walk upon the waves. He did it for Peter. And he can do it for us. I mentioned earlier the phenomenal little thing that he, Mark 6, 48 says, in his walking to do all this, he would have passed them by. I stopped and I pondered that. And I do what every good preacher does when he runs into a blockage and he doesn't understand something. I'll go and see what the experts say. And then I find what every good preacher finds when he goes to see what the experts say. They say a whole lot about things I don't need them to say anything about, but what I need them to say about, they all say nothing. Every preacher I've ever met has complained about that. So why did he go to pass them by? Most commentators and preachers ignore it. Those who notice it say he did it for the same reason that the angel uh, had in mind when he wrestled with Jacob. And they said, let me go, as if he wanted to go on. Or the same reason that the risen Christ had on the road to Emmaus. He made as if he would go forward. It was to stimulate their faith so that they would cry out to him to stay. Now, there's no doubt that is true in those instances. But you see, it doesn't work here. Because the fact is, they didn't cry out for Christ. They didn't even cry out to what they thought was a spirit. 
They simply yelped in fear because they thought they had seen a spirit. So why did he make as if to go past them? I thought for a moment perhaps it was he was going to go past them, to go before them, to make a way to pass through. That may be. But you know, I think the most obvious thing is this, was to deliver them from the superstition of the age into which they had fallen. Remember the Lord Jesus was not only dealing for the moment, he was preparing these men to go out into the big wide world where they were going to face a supposedly supernatural agent. They were going to face even cases of demonism. They were going to face all the things that their own superstitious natures would grasp as items to cause fear. And he was freeing them from these things. You see, in the East, belief in spirits that could invade human life at will was very widespread. In many parts of the East, they had a notion of a class of spiritual beings that were between angels and men. And they could assume the form of men. They could even marry. Uh, And after hundreds of years, they could even die. But they had all sorts of powers, both good and evil. This was the thought. People were always ready to see spirits. So the charismatics have a long lineage. You've met these people. You drop a tumbler of water. Oh, there's a devil in this house. And there might be somebody with a shaky hand, but it doesn't say it's a devil. I don't want to get into demonology today. Uh, I believe that there are malignant powers of hell at work in the world. But I think that we have charismatic preachers running around scaring people uh, with the devil, the big boogeyman of Satan, about things that Satan's not a wee bit interested in, while all the time they never talk about the things that he really is doing. The Bible tells you what those things are seducing spirits. What do they do? They lead to false doctrine. They produce another gospel. They divert from Christ. They corrupt the the pure revelation of grace. They damn souls by this. But these things hardly get mentioned. We'll not go into all that this morning. But these disciples, thinking they saw a spirit, cried out. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I want you to see this very carefully. You're in the storm. You think you're going to see the devil. But the one that's waiting for you, it's not the devil. It is your Savior. That's what he's saying. I'm here. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'm here. Be of good cheer and don't be afraid. That simple word, what a voice. The hymn writer in the hymn we were singing this morning tried to use a little poetry to describe the beauty of that voice. But no human words can ever adequately describe both the beauty, the music, and yet the mighty power, the authority of the voice of the Lord Jesus. Revelation 1 speaks of it as the voice of many waters to bring cheer and comfort amid the storm. 
Then Jesus entered the ship. And if the disciples had known the chorus that we learned as kids, I have no doubt they'd have sung it. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm as we go sailing home. Because when Jesus got in, the storm came under control and they reached their intended destination. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to understand the significance of this. Jesus had sent them out on that journey, right? They ran into a storm. It appeared they were not going to make it. But I want to tell you, when Jesus sends you on a journey, you will certainly reach the destination. In Luke chapter 8, you will read of another incident. He said, Arise and let us go to the other side. And once again, the storm appeared to stand in their way. And on that occasion, they said, Lord, you're sleeping, waking up, we're perishing. But stop and think of it. Has not Jesus said the same to you and me? Let's arise and go to the other side. We're on a journey to where? Well, first to the place of service, but ultimately we're on a journey to glory. The storms of life come against you. The advances of hell would seek to stop your progress. But Jesus says we're going to the other side. And we will reach our desired haven. Now that's the record. And I have taken all my time in that so that I'll not really have opportunity to deal with the significance of this miracle to you and me as well as to the disciples. I'll ask you as you go home to think of this, however, and I trust you will think of this, because the more I have pondered this miracle, the more I realize its wide-ranging significance. You've got the, the whole history of Christ and his church, both in its individual members and in its corporate identity. You've got the history of Christ and his church in this picture. They're out there in the sea. They're doing the will of God. Their Savior's up on the mountain. He's praying while they labor. They're faced with all sorts of opposition. Human strength cannot avail to do the work that Christ has sent them to do. What do they need? They need the visitation of the Savior in His almighty power. There's the picture of the church. There's the picture of the individual Christian. And I want you to go from this house today with this confidence that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. And he can do anything he wills to do. Anything he wills to do. But I want you to take this. He loves us. And he will do what it takes to fulfill his will in us and to carry us safely through. But we do have to face something about ourselves here. I've said all this about Christ. You'd think after all the disciples had learned about the Lord Jesus, they'd have recognized him a mile away. But they didn't. You'd think after all the experience you and I have had in the Christian life, the number of times we've been down in the depths and he's come and lifted us up, the number of times we have misread our circumstances, the number of times we have run, uh, jumped to different and wrong conclusions, the number of times we have allowed affliction to 
embitter our souls, all these things. And again and again and again, the Lord Jesus has come and he's proved himself to us. You would think by now, when we get into affliction and the Lord Jesus is going to show himself, that we would now be prepared for it, but we're not. The one thing you find here is that so often the Lord Jesus is the unrecognized Christ. Even when he comes to do his people good, and can you see here, we, we torment ourselves that this is the devil afflicting us. When all the time it is our Savior drawing near. That's what they were doing. It's a spirit. It's a devil. It's something hurtful. It's something terrible. No, no, no. It is I. It is I. Oh, that you would take these words with you today. I don't know the storms that are going to come across your life this week or this month or this year. But if you belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to you, if you are washed in his precious blood, and you are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in him, if your trust is in Christ then simply obey him and if the path of obedience brings you into storms trust him he's got them under his feet do you remember the word of Nahum the clouds are the dust of his feet and when you find the sun obscured and the wind whipping up, remember it's only an indication that the Lord is moving. This is the truth. So even when you can't understand why he places you in a stormy affliction, remember he's protecting you as he was the disciples sometimes from greater danger but is protecting you in order to show you himself. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, 
at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. (music) 